Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Binge Buster Show is going to be dedicated in the memory of Road Warrior Animal, as today on September the 23rd, 2020, uh, Road Warrior Animal passed away tragically. So right now, we will take a 10-bell salute in honor of Road Warrior Animal. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Binge Buster Show. I am uh, excited to be uh, bringing you uh, this edition of The Binge Buster Show um, it's just me this week. There's no co-host. There's no guest. It is just me this week. Um, as uh, originally planned, uh, this uh, podcast was supposed to be on uh, Fall Brawl 1996. Um, and uh, and I will probably still touch on that a little bit. But for the most part, I want to um, you know dedicate this show to... Uh, you know, Joe Laurinaitis, better known as Road Warrior Animal. Um, last year, uh, as the Binge Buster show was helping to promote WrestleCade, uh, we had uh, Road Warrior Animal on our show. He told some uh, really great inside stories, uh, things that happened in his life and how he got, uh, you know, into pro wrestling. And uh, But not only that, I got to, I got to meet um, Road Warrior Animal um, at WrestleCade. Um, he was there for the three days, uh, just like me and our table was pretty close together. So, uh, I did get to talk to him and if some of you people out there may not know this, but, uh, Rower Animal, uh, actually owned, if, if you go back and look at some of the wrestlers in the nineties, uh, when they weren't, uh, wearing their wrestling gear, they wore these pants called Zubas. Um, and, uh, in the nineties, those type of pants were extremely popular. They were usually, you know, bright co- bright colors and uh they were tapered legs but as they came up you know they 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 uh they were they were baggy um and uh, some people call them mc hammer pants but i will always call them road warrior pants uh but anyway i ended up getting uh a couple pair from him thanks thanks to my to my buddy tim um and then uh on the last day of um of wrestlecade um, I brought my son with me. Uh, my son William, uh, I've talked about him a lot on the show. He's five years old. Um, anyway, I took him to WrestleCade with me, and on the the last day on Sunday, and uh, again, Animal's table right next to mine, and Animal walked over and and spoke to my son, and because uh, I guess at the time, you know, my son's looking at him, his, his fa- hey, his face paint on, 
Uh, and so I guess maybe my son was a little intimidated. I, I didn't notice that, but apparently uh, Animal did. And he came over and, and spoke to my son. And, uh, and man, he, he, gave, he gave my son one of his action figures. And I thought that was first class. Uh, I offered to pay him, and he said, no, no, I don't. I, I want him to have it. Uh, so I'll I'll cherish that for you know for a lifetime. I thought that was uh really awesome. You know he he could have charged me, but he didn't. Um, that just kind of shows you uh the kind of man that Rover Animal was. And if you didn't get a chance to know him or meet him, um you know that's, that's terrible because uh he was uh he was such a great a great human being. Um and uh, so tonight we're gonna be talking about uh the Road Warriors and um and just all their accomplishments over the years. And, and uh, you know, without a doubt, the greatest tag team in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, I think pretty much they were the first team to actually hold all three belts, uh, all three championships, and all three major uh, companies. Uh, I'm talking about the AWA, the NWA, and, of course, WWF, which later became the WWE. Uh, so we're going to be uh, talking Road Warriors uh, coming up right now on the Binge Buster Show. The Road Warriors, also known as the Legion of Doom, were a professional wrestling tag team composed of Road Warrior Hawk and Road Warrior Animal. They performed under the name the Road Warriors in the AWA, the NWA, and World Championship Wrestling, and their name the Legion of Doom in the WWF. Under Under either name, their gimmick was the same, two imposing wrestlers with face paint. For brief periods, other wrestlers were added as stand-in partners for both men, but at the end of the day, uh, the the original and the best uh, and the well-known uh, duo of the Road Warriors was definitely Animal and Hawk. Um, when they broke into the wrestling business in 1983, um, they 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 came on the scene and and they're like one of the first uh, first wrestlers that were kind of like trained on the job and when i say on the job like they 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 went to a little wrestling camp there for a little while eddie sharkey uh there in minnesota and uh eddie trained uh, a lot of guys actually uh scott flash norton who was also on our podcast uh last year uh but also uh ravishing rick rude um and um crusher khrushchev or uh, uh smash from demolition uh repo man he had a lot of names but uh but the the fact of the matter is uh, a lot of famous wrestlers a lot of great talent from the 80s came uh from Eddie Sharkey um but the road warriors started out in Georgia championship wrestling they were there from 1983 to 1984 uh animal had briefly competed as just the road warrior uh, before Ole Anderson paired him up with Mike Hegstrand to form the Road Warriors. Uh, they were initially brought into uh, Precious Paul Ellering's stable as a replacement for his team of Matt Bourne and Arn Anderson after Bourne was fired from, uh, from the company. After a few months of rapid success, the Road Warriors dumped Ellering as, or, um, dubbed 
Ellering as manager, claiming they uh, they they didn't need a manager. Uh, but that was short lived because back in when 1984 rolled around, they brought precious Paul Ellering. Um, he actually formed a stable called the Legion of Doom, um, which at the time consisted of Jake the Snake Roberts and the Spoiler and the Road Warriors. Um, and uh, and they they were just a very successful team from the from the get go. Um, probably one of the first wrestlers to paint their faces um, and have the, uh, the 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 mohawks and the reverse mohawk. Um, and then uh, they started wearing the uh, the um, leather vests with the with the spikes on it uh, and the spike wristbands. And that was a really great. Um, image for them but i think the the most famous uh image uh, is the is the spike shoulder pads and i'll never forget the first time i saw that was during the um the great american bash 1987 um they uh they come out wearing those those shoulder pads and uh and those spikes on it and i was like holy look at these guys man this is this is <laughs> they're, they're gonna really hurt somebody with these things um and uh, but the rowers had a great you know they were gimmick but not only were they gimmick but they were t- super tough guys um you know in and out of the ring of course um the rowers high impact power style and unique attire quickly got them noticed by fans and of course their opponents uh, so much so that some wrestlers would grab their bag and leave the arena when they came in and saw that they were scheduled to face the Road Warriors. In Georgia, the team quickly rose to the top despite being very young and without traditionally paying their dues. Uh, they they won because they were so believable in their role as power monsters. Um, they They gained a reputation for being very stiff and not selling simply because they could and as a result, most of their matches ended very quickly. Um, they won the National uh, Wrestling Alliance Tag Team Championships upon their debut, uh, a title that, that they would win three more times while wrestling in Georgia. Then in 1984, the Road Warriors moved to, on to Vern Gagne's American Wrestling Association, uh, along with their manager, Paul Ellering. On October the twenty, I'm sorry, August the twenty fifth, nineteen eighty four, uh, they defeated the Crusher and Baron von Raschke uh, to win the AWA World Tag Team Titles. Uh, the Road Warriors were were brought in by Ganya to work as heels, but their squash matches soon won over the fans. They became the AWA's top draw through nineteen eighty four and nineteen eighty five. Uh, feuding primarily with the Fabulous Ones and later on the Fabulous Freebirds. The Warriors then began splitting their time between the AWA and Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, where they started feuding with the NWA World Tag Team Champions, the Russians, Ivan and Nikita Koloff, um, all while still holding the AWA Tag Team belts. The AWA and various NWA members were co-promoting cars at the time, so that's the reason why they were able to... um, to, to be the AWA Tag Team Champions. And actually, and actually they, they brought those belts to the ring with them uh, on several NWA cards. I remember uh, when they were when they came to the very first Great American Bash uh, and they uh, uh, had a match against Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev, and they came out wearing the AWA Tag Team belts. Um, th- uh, and, and during this time that, uh, that, that the AWA and NWA were co-promoting cards, uh, in an effort to compete with the World Wrestling Federation, Hawk and Animal eventually lost the AWA titles to Gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and Mr. Electricity Steve Regal on September the 29th, 1985. 
uh, due to the interference of the Fabulous Freebirds. The Road Warriors' last appearance in the AWA was on April the 20th, 1986, at a show called Wrestle Rock, where they defeated the team of Garvin and Michael Hayes in a steel cage match. Uh, during their AWA stint, the team would would uh, be, they actually became well known for using uh, this Black Sabbath song "Iron Man," and that that became their theme song for most of their career. Um, 1985 through 1990, uh, the Rowers began a tour in Japan, uh, mainly with all Japan pro wrestling, where they made an immediate impact squashing the monster team of Killer Khan and um, Animal Hamaguchi um, in under four minutes. This and this and uh, different other things gathered around the Road Warriors a lot of Japanese media headlines and front-page stories. Uh, their tours with a, uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling in 1985 and 1986 made the Road Warriors such legends in Japan that they toured the country whenever they were between contracts of the big three companies. The Road Warriors won the NWA International Tag Team titles on March the 12th, 1987. Uh, they defeated Jumbo Saruta and um, and Tenru and would, would hold those belts for 15 months before losing them to the PWF Tag Team Champions, Jumbo Saruta and y- Yohashi, um, to unify the titles as the All Japan Pro Wrestling Tag Team titles, um, making the Road Warriors the last defending champions of the NWA International Tag Team titles. Uh, their last match in the in Japan during this period was on July 22nd uh, for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they lost to Masahiro Chono and Kiji Muto, who is actually known as the Great Muta. Um, Road Warriors very successful in all those, um, you know, the the first few years of their career from 1984 to 1990. No other team and no other wrestler in the history of professional wrestling has been as successful uh, from start early on in their career, not quote paying dues, um, as the Road Warriors were. Um, They were just a very believable team. Um, You know, uh, I've I've talked to several guys uh, that have told me. Uh, they they remember going you know coming to a show um, and looking at the at the at the card and you know you'd see the guys be all excited until they saw their names that they were working with, with the road warriors and it's almost like they would you know kind of like it said at the beginning they would they would take their bags and run or you know they would get sick because they'd be so nervous I, I've I've heard stories of wrestlers puking. Uh, because they were so scared, because they knew the rowers were going to beat the crap out of them when they got in, when they when they got to the ring. Um, but man, the rowers were such a such a great team. Uh, some some of the other stuff that the rowers accomplished uh, was on April nineteenth, nineteen eighty six. The rowers were the first team to ever win the inaugural Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament. They defeated Ron Garvin and Mag- Magnum TA in the finals. Um, Building upon their rapid uh, push, Hawk and Animal were few were featured uh, attractions of the Great American Bash tour, where they managed or where they were matched up against Ivan and Akilah Koloff, as well as the Midnight Express. Um, at Starcade '86, the Road Warriors were featured in a scaffold match, um, defeating uh, the Midnight Express, and this was the infamous match where Jim Cornette um, you know, fell off the scaffold and and uh, and and basically blew out his knee. Um, 
they were uh and and you know the Rovers were an awesome team. Now one of the things that I want to point out here, uh up until this point, the Rovers it didn't matter who they faced, whether it was Ric Flair or the Midnight Express or the Ivan and Kuto Koloff, they never had a, another partner. It was always it was always Hawk and Animal. And during this time they joined forces with Dusty Rhodes um, and uh, become the the world six-man tag team champions. Um, and then in the summer of 1987, uh, they got into a, a, a huge feud with the Four Horsemen, joining up with uh, Dusty Rhodes and Nikita Koloff. Um, and during this time, the, the Road Warriors were again featured in a, uh, in a new uh, kind of match, uh, the War Games. Uh, the match beyond. This was a team. This was a match where uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast. But you have uh, two teams of five, sometimes four, but sometimes five, um, facing against each other, and two men start, and then after uh, after five minutes, after that, every uh, two minutes, uh, another guy from the opposing team would come in, and uh, until they had all 10 men in the ring. And then once all 10 men were in the cage at the same time, the match beyond uh, began. Um, and, of course, the Rowers were a big part of those uh, team of those things. Now, another thing that the Rowers were involved in was the uh, their feud with the Powers of Pain, the Barbarian and the Warlord. Um, both teams looked very similar, uh, almost uh, identical, basically. Um and they 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 were featured, you know. They 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 went on television, and kept you know bragging who's who's stronger, who's stronger. So they decided to do a bench press contest. Um, and uh, in nineteen eighty eight, um, they uh they uh, done done this uh bench press challenge. It was in the Greensboro Coliseum, and I was there for that. I got to see that firsthand. Um, uh, and when like I said last year, when I had Rover Animal on the show, I mentioned that to him. And uh, he was telling me that you know just the night before that um, that they done this big this big uh, TV taping, um, he, he he got injured and but he was still able to to lift the weight uh, even with his uh, his face injury. Um, in 1988, they uh, decided to try something different. Uh, Hawk and Animal turned heel, uh, attacking their substitute partner Sting during a defense of the six man tag team titles. Uh, they finally won the world tag team titles of the NWA um, on October the 29th, 1988, in New Orleans, Louisiana, at a house show against the Midnight Express. In November that year, the Rowers played a role in ending Dusty Rhodes' tenure as head booker for the promotion. During the November 26th episode of World Championship Wrestling, which was under uh, strict instructions from TBS Television to... Uh, no, no, no blood on television. Uh, the Rowers attacked Dusty Rhodes, removed a spike from their shoulder pads, and attempted to gouge Dusty's eye out. Uh, Rhodes was fired for uh, for that episode shortly after Starcade '88. Before Rhodes was fired, um, Animal beat him at the Clash of Champions, so the Rowers were allowed to pick a new partner to hold the NWA World Six Man Tag Team Titles, and they picked the All Japan Pro Wrestling Superstar. Uh, Tenru, uh, but the titles were uh, quickly abandoned shortly after that. Uh, the Road Warriors uh, quickly turned face yet again due to overwhelming fan support. 
no matter how brutal or how violent they were, the fans still loved the Road Warriors. Um, the World Tag Team title reign came to an end when they faced the Varsity Club of Mike Rotundo and uh, Steve Williams on um, April the 2nd, 1989. They lost the titles uh, under controversial uh, decision uh, from Teddy Long, uh, who uh, performed an excessively fast three count. Uh, Long would uh, Teddy Long would would actually be fired from his job due to the count, but the titles were not returned to the Red Warriors. Hawk and Animal would spend the rest of their tenure in World Championship Wrestling, um, uh, and uh, until it was purchased by Ted Turner. Um, and during that time, they uh, feuded with teams like the Samoan SWAT team and the Skyscrapers. But uh, it seemed like it was never as hot as it was when they were facing teams like the Midnight Express and uh, the Russians. Uh, I, I think those those guys really worked well together and they gelled well together, and their matches were very very believable. Um, and uh, you know, and almost at this time, you could kind of tell Hawk and Animal were, were getting kind of bored with their uh, positions there in uh, in in the new uh, formed World Championship Wrestling uh, company. Uh, the Road Warriors made their last uh, WCW pay per view appearance on uh, May the nineteenth, nineteen ninety, at Capital Combat, where they teamed with uh, Norman the Lunatic to take on Kevin Sullivan, Cactus Jack, and Bam Bam Bigelow in a match that was actually cut from the commercial tape of the event. Uh, they left WCW in June of 1990 uh, due to heat with then-WCW head Jim Hurd, uh, and they uh, moved on to the World Wrestling Federation. Um, Hawk and Animal signed with the World Wrestling Federation in June of 1990. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, retired the Road Warrior moniker, since at the time there there were other wrestlers with Warrior in their names, such as the Ultimate Warrior and Kerry Von Erich, the Modern Day Warrior, they made their TV debut on July fifteenth uh, of uh, ep- uh, on the episode of Wrestling Challenge. Um, in the WWF, the team would be known only as the Legion of Doom, and despite the altered uh, team name, they were still individually introduced as Road Warrior Hawk and Road Warrior Animal. Hawk and, Hawk and Animal immediately entered into a feud with Demolition, which that was uh, that right there was a no-brainer. Uh, for years, uh, Demolition had been accused of being Road Warrior knockoffs. Uh, so why why you know what 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 better team to put them against as soon as they came in than uh, Demolition? Um, uh, during this time, uh, the the um, they actually had had made a third member of um, Demolition. Uh, it was uh, Axe Smash and Crush, uh, which was uh, comprised of Bill Eady as Axe, uh, Barry Darso was still Smash, and Brian Adams uh, would, would, was known as Crush. Um, and at the time, Axe had actually moved into kind of a role as a manager for the team. Uh, with with the hope of taking a uh, front office position, which eventually fell through, uh, the Legion of Doom uh, demolition feud did not have the expected intensity because of the change, and LOD soon set their sights on the tag team titles. Um, uh, they uh, at SummerSlam '91 in Madison Square Garden, the Legion of Doom defeated the Nasty Boys uh, in a no DQ street fight to win the World Tag Team Titles. Uh, becoming the only team in history at that time to um, to to uh, 
have all three titles from all three major promotions in the 80s. Uh, Hawk and Animal would eventually lose the titles to Money Incorporated, which comprised of Mike Rotundo and Ted DiBiase on February 7, 1992, after, the, after which they briefly left the promotion. Um, LOD would, would return a short time later with their original manager, Paul Ellering. Uh, the team later incorporated a ventriloquist dummy called Rocco, uh, originally introduced as Freckles in front of a live crowd at a WWF TV tape, and the segment bombed so badly uh, that it never aired, which served as the inspiration, but the gimmick was short-lived. Hextran left the company in disgust with the Rocco gimmick immediately after SummerSlam 1992 at Wembley Stadium, where the LOD rode to the ring on, on motorcycles in front of over 80,000 fans. Uh, he, he then went AWOL in London after the event with John Nord, who was actually known as, as the Berserker, and missed the flight back to the United States. While Laurinaitis stuck around and finished the team's uh, contractual obligations, uh, with former demolition member Crush now repackaged from his demolition character to be a face, becoming a tan muscle guy from the beaches of his native Hawaii, uh, replacing Hawk on house shows in Europe in mid-September 1992. After Hawk left the WWF, Crush and Animal teamed up to defeat the Beverly Brothers uh, five times and Cato and and Skinner once. Paul Erling also joined Crush and Animal in some six-man tag team matches. When the newly formed team returned to North America, Animal and Crush both started wrestling single matches, and the team was no more. Shortly after, Animal left also left the WWF uh, because of a back injury that actually forced him into a lengthy hiatus. Um, after that, the Road Warriors, uh, and you know, in, in in the next few years, from 1992 to 1996, uh, Hawk mostly wrestled in um, in, in Japan. Animal uh, really wasn't doing a whole lot um, because of his back injury. Um, then, in 1996, uh, Lauren uh Animal's back uh, was finally you know, healed up enough for him to return to wrestling. So the Rovers signed a contract with WCW in 1995. Upon their return, uh, January 96, immediately started a few with with the uh, returning Steining Brothers. Now, uh, I was there for this show. This this was actually on a um, WCW um, um, Nitro uh, coming from the Winston-Salem Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum. I remember, uh, you know, at this time, uh, you know, WCW was full of surprises. They, they, they didn't tell you who was there and who was coming. Uh, they left everything as a big surprise and big shock. And unless you uh, got the dirt sheets, it was kind of hard for you to, um, to know who was coming, who was going. Um, but I remember that night I'm there and I'm like, uh, you know, the music starts up, and here comes the Steiner Brothers out, and I'm like, holy crap, look how big uh, Scott Steiner is. I mean, I could tell he was just, I mean, he was really big compared to the last time I saw him. Um, and then next thing I know, man, the music hit, and here comes Hawk and Animal out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Animal and Hawk are back together, and the Rowers are in WCW and it's right here in Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, and the and you talk about the Road Warrior pop, man, it was it was so big that night. I can still uh, remember uh, seeming like, you know, it, in the 80s, man, if, if, if you guys never got to go see a live event with the Road Warriors and you never got to experience the Road Warrior pop, man, you have no idea what what you missed out on because I'm telling you the road warrior pop 
was something to behold. Um, it was insane. Uh, whenever the the music Iron Man would play, uh, it seemed like the whole building shook when the Rowers came out. It was, just, it was a very special time. So I was so glad I was able to be part of that and get to witness that firsthand. Um, the uh, the the Road Warriors, uh, you know, like I said, came back to WCW, um, and they had a little feud with the Steiner brothers, as well as Harlem Heat, before moving on to challenge the WCW World Tag Team Champions of Sting and Lex Luger. The Road Warriors had several uh, title shots, uh, but failed to win the the belts back. Um, Animal and Hawk stayed with WCW for about six months before leaving over a dispute with uh, with Eric Bischoff. Uh, the pair made claims that Bischoff promised them a second highest paid contract, as well as separate contracts from Japan, uh, something which uh, Bischoff denies. Um, and then uh, the Road Warriors, uh, in 1997 through 98, they returned back to the WWF, um, and there the Legion Doom became two-time WWF Tag Team Champions. Uh, on October 13, 1987, 1997, when they defeated the Godwins. And then in, night, in November of 97, the Legion of Doom faced the newly formed New Age Outlaws and lost the titles uh, to the to the uh, new new team of uh, the New Age Outlaws, which later on would, would become members of D-Generation X. Then um, LOD 2000 uh, starts up. Uh, Hawk and Animals next appeared as Legion of Doom 2000, where... Um, they uh they they were built as an updated version of the Road Warriors for the new millennium, uh, and they come out wearing you know new new looking gear, new uh, shoulder pads and helmets, uh, and, and that that wouldn't last very long. Uh, Hawk didn't like the helmets, so he ended up throwing his into the crowd uh, one night. Uh, but uh, just uh, that that's 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 a great story. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then uh, as uh as the years uh, close out, um. The, uh, the the Road Warriors uh, would uh, would uh, remain one of the, the biggest and most successful tag teams uh, in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, the Road Warriors' very last TV appearance as a team occurred on May the 12th, 2003, on Raw, uh, where they uh, where they win a match against tag team champions Rob Van Dam and Kane. The Rowers had hoped to get a full-time contract with WWE, but nothing ever came of it. Uh, once again, they returned to Japan, competing in Fighting of World uh, Japan Pro Wrestling, defeating the Shane Twins for the tag team titles on March the 1st, 2003. Uh, they dropped the titles back to the Twins three months later uh, for their last television appearance was on June 29, 2003. Their last match was defeating... Uh, the Shane Twins, on July the 11th, 2003. Um, five months later, on October the 19th, 2003, uh, Rover Hawk passed away. And that would actually, that would end um, the, 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 the team of, uh, of the Road Warriors. Um, Animal would, uh, would later come back to the WWE in 2005 through 2006, uh, teaming with Heidenreich, um, as the new LOD, LOD 2005. Um, on August the 18th, 2005, Heidenreich was officially made part of LOD and was presented with his own Red Warrior Spikes. Uh, shortly after winning the tag team titles, Animal paid tribute to his late partner and friend by looking up to the heavens above and saying, Hawk, this one's for you, brother. Um, really, really cool time right there. Um, and then... Uh, 
April the 2nd, 2011, the Road Warriors, along with Paul Ellering, were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, and now, as we fast forward uh, from uh, from that time to today, uh, today's date is September the 23rd, uh, 2020. And, of course, we learned today of the passing of Road Warrior Animal. Um, I, I hope that this podcast uh, today has uh has you know brought back some memories for some and maybe um some some people that that didn't know or didn't get to see uh the road warriors hopefully my podcast will inspire you to get the network or go on youtube and google the road warriors legion of doom and man you'll be so so entertained watching uh you know the the great rivalries that animal and hawk uh, went through um some uh, fun fun moments and some serious moments, but uh, but at the, at the end of the day, all all we want to do is say thank you uh, to Animal and Hawk um, because I I don't think wrestling would would be where it is today uh, or where it actually went to uh, had it not been for the Road Warriors. Um, the Road Warriors definitely paved the way for a lot of guys, a lot of teams, um, and uh, you know they they were an awesome team. Um, and uh, our condolences and our um, prayers go out to uh, the family of Joe Laurinaitis. Um, that's that's it. All that's gonna be all all that for this week, fans on the Binge Buster Show. Um, I hope you uh, enjoyed uh, this small little podcast, and uh, make sure you tune in next week. As next week, I promise we will uh, cover Fall Brawl 1996 uh, for Chris. I am Tony Binge. Thank you for joining us for the Binge Buster Show. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.